following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. the Lord has given to me for you today, hands full of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we come in before you singing songs of praise, worshiping you, 
But Lord, I fear many have come with hands that are dirty. Not full of righteousness. And I ask today, Lord, that this would be changed in each person's heart. That when we leave this house, our hands will be clean by the blood you shed on Calvary. Lord, have your way in this house today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I do not want you to receive the grace of God in vain. If you have come into this house and you have worshipped in the presence of God, if you have claimed the name of Jesus as your Savior, and then you come to the judgment and the door is closed against you and you are not brought into the presence of Almighty God, what a utter shame. The scripture says it will be with weeping and gnashing of teeth. As I've grown up, I've been taught to look at those around me and evaluate how I'm doing. I grew up in, in high school and college and university classes where they graded on the curve. And I always liked grading on the curve. I knew then it was fair. I knew that I could always make it. Because you see, grading on the curve says there is no absolute. There is no standard that I must reach. I can grade it out on the curve and I'm covered. I can make it. Today I need to come to you and begin in a very gentle way to plead with you. As the Apostle Paul does, the book of 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 1. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Now, let me give you just a little bit of the context of this passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, we find laid out an amazing description of a person who has decided to follow Jesus. See if this description fits your life. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I'm going to begin, begin reading with verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So he's saying, we once looked at Jesus and said, hey, he's got a good deal going for me. I'm going to sign up to be a Christian because if I do that, I get to go to heaven. Plus, I get his Holy Spirit now to give me parking places. I mean, I get Jesus now to be my servant. He's going to make me have a wonderful life. 
He's going to spare me from all kinds of difficulties and he's going to rescue me. He's my little rabbit's foot I can carry in my pocket. He's my lap dog. Well, Paul says, look, we don't look at Jesus that way anymore. We don't look at Jesus for what we can get out of the deal. We now look at Jesus through new eyes, a new viewpoint. It's no longer a worldly viewpoint. The world is always hustling. How can I get the advantage? How can I win? How can I look good? How can I be successful? And so in the church, it's bodies, bucks, and bricks. I was taught that in seminary. A professor stood in front and said, if you want to be a successful pastor, you have to pay attention to bodies, bucks, and bricks. If you do that, you've got it made. He was wrong. The church is not a business. The church is a body. And Jesus Christ is the head. And so Paul says, I don't look at Jesus like I used to. I now look at him through different eyes. So he's saying, you now come with a new viewpoint. Listen. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Well, this is part of the struggle because we want to hang on to the old and we want to grab the new too. You know, it's been interesting as the Lord has directed my wife and I to give our living room couches away. Well, Lord, okay, we'll give those. And he told us the family we were to give them to. And so I called Brother Kurt and said, I need some help. We've got to move some couches out of the house. Well, now I have to tell you, as we were doing that, the Lord said, now send the end tables and send the coffee table, send the lamps, I said, but Lord, couldn't I keep the lamps? You know, those were a gift to me. A a very dear friend gave me those lamps. Those are beautiful lamps. There's nothing wrong with those lamps. They're not worn out, Jesus. Could I keep the lamps? No. Because if I kept the old, there was no room for what he wanted to give me new. And so I ask you today... Are you holding on to anything out of the old for fear Jesus won't give you the new? Now, if you remember when Elijah was sitting beside the brook Cherith, the word of the Lord did not come to him at the brook Cherith until the brook dried up. You see, I want the word of the Lord to come to me while I have all the old. Then I can give away the old because the new is already here. But the way of God is always give it away. Let the stream run dry. Be absolutely without anything. And then there is always this period of time. It's like letting go of a trapeze. And before you have the next one even in sight, you're flying in midair. And you don't even see it coming when he says, let go. 
but you have to let go or the new won't come. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just very much against my whole nature. I don't mind giving something away if I already have something. But don't leave me with nothing. But the way of God says, let the old go. Are you holding on to any of the old today? Because you're afraid the new won't match up with the old. And I have to confess, I said to my wife, do we have to give these away? She said, no, we don't have to give them away. We can keep them. I said, yes, but at what price? And she very kindly said, at the price of the new. Which do you want? Do you want the old or do you want the new? You can't have both. We sent the old. It's big empty spots in our house. We wait on the new. I've learned that's God's way. Now, I come to you today talking about receiving God's grace in vain. And all he's saying is, you've held on to the old so long, there's no room in your life for what he wants to give you. And some of you have been holding on to the old year after year after year. And God has kept coming to your heart in the power of the Spirit saying, will you let go of that? And you've said, no, I won't. Well, let's put it a little more softly to your heart. You've said, yes, of course, I'll give that away. And then you don't do it. And he comes to you again and he says, will you give? Yes, absolutely. Jesus, everything I have belongs to you. And then we don't act on it. Lord Jesus, I give up my anger. Until the next time. Lord, I give up my desire to be independent and in control. Until the next issue comes. If we walk that way with the Lord, we will have walked in vain in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, he goes a second step. He's now told us there's a new viewpoint, there's a new relationship, but now I want you to notice there is also a new occupation. And I know some of you have a great deal of difficulty with the new. Some of you are... Could I use a term, a technical term? Conserving holding. Do you know what that means? It means you are pack rats. It means you hold on to everything. Because you don't believe that God will do anything for you. So there's barely room to walk through your house. Because it's so full of your collection. You open the drawer and there's no room to put anything new in it. Because you're holding on to those old rags. You open the closet. The clothes are jammed tight. Because you're afraid if you throw something away, God won't give you anything. I mean, isn't it a mean God we serve? 
you know, some of you just need to break out the garbage bags. And you need to go through your closets and just get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. If you haven't worn it in the last six months, give it away or dump it. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's an attitude that says, I'm going to hang on to what I've got. And so my hands are full of my stuff. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not just speaking about stuff today. The outward is only an example, a symbol of our hearts. Some of your hearts are so jammed with stuff, with attitudes and beliefs and feelings that there's no room for anything of God to fit in your heart. You sit down with the scripture to have a few minutes of quiet with the Lord. And you begin to read the scripture and you go to sleep. Because you're already so full of the world, there's no interest in reading the scripture because there's no room for it to lodge in your hearts. You get down on your knees to begin to pray and you doze off. Why? Because the world is more real to you than Jesus Christ. And as long as we're pulling all of this stuff with our hands and stuffing our hearts with this worldly wickedness, we are walking and receiving God's grace in vain. The Lord wants tabernacles that are cleaned out. He wants hearts and minds that are washed and clean before him, not full of all the world's stuff. A brother said to me this last week, Thursday night, right here, I was standing here. This brother came up to me and he said, what am I going to do? I said, what do you mean, what are you going to do? He said, what am I going to do? Football season is coming. I said, what do you mean? You know, Joe Gibbs, the Redskins. I said, it's your idol, isn't it? Yes. I can't live without knowing what's happening. His heart is full and overflowing with a lust after the things of the world. In his heart and mind, he's saying, I want to serve Jesus. But in his life, he wants to sit down in front of the television and he wants to consume and drink in all the darkness of the world. And he, he has a face now that is filled with darkness. As he walked away, my wife came up to me and she said, his face, it's so dark. Spiritually dark. This is a man who's been called to follow the Lord Jesus. He has committed his heart to Jesus, but his heart he can't commit because it's already committed to the Redskins. He can't commit to both. And so today I'm, I'm coming in a, in a way I pray is gentle to your heart that you can live a life calling yourself a Christian, and it's all in vain. 
and you come to the end of time and the Lord God cuts you off and you say, but wait a minute, Lord, look at all the money I gave and look at all the things I did. And he says, depart from me. I don't know who you are. Well, why would Jesus say, I don't know you? Obviously, it's because he never spent any time together. They didn't have time with each other. So today, if you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to serve you, but you're giving all of your time over here to the world, how's he going to know you? Or the dear lady, whose only heart's desire is to shop, to have a bargain. She doesn't want to spend a lot of money. Her deal is to get a bargain. So her recreation is to go to the malls and and just look at all the stuff. And when she finds a bargain she can't bear to miss, then she buys it. One lady I spoke to this week, she said, I went to the mall and I, I found a blouse. It was a $40 blouse and I found it for $5. You had think that she had found the treasure of great price. I mean, it was the pearl of great price. She sold all that she had and bought it. $5. To be buried in? To be buried in? If it's that precious, save it for your burial. You'll at least go to hell looking good. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can't play games with God. What are you going to do? Some of you are shoppers. I'm not picking on you. That just happens to be your drug of choice. Others, it's gambling. Others, it's pornography. Others, it's just earning money. Working the deal. Others, it's just riding down the highway, being free, with the radio blaring. I mean, that's, that's heaven for some of you. And I come today saying, listen to the word of the Lord. Do not receive God's grace in vain. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So in this brief passage, and I don't mean to spend much time today on this, he's given us a new viewpoint, no longer the world's viewpoint. He's established for us a new relationship And he's given us a new occupation, ambassadorship. 
We are the representative of God to this world. And then Paul says, I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. God's grace is that you have been appointed as an ambassador of God. And these things that we get caught in, this foolishness that constantly draws our heart aside, it will cause us to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, I will confess today, there is a battle that goes on even yet in my soul. The Lord will identify a specific area and say, I want you to leave that alone. And one of those areas that he has said this to me about is the television. Leave the television alone. So I have left the television alone. We simply don't turn it on. We don't have cable. We don't have, we just don't use it. It's off. When the Lord said, lay the television aside, we laid the television aside But then I still had this time and this interest over here. And my heart did not naturally turn to the Lord. Instead, I dove into historical novels. You know, that has some intellectual merit. You know, inquiring minds want to know. So now the Lord had to come to me and say, lay aside the historical novels. Well, now I'm working on the perennial garden at the house. So now I want to spend my time looking at the magazines, identifying the flowers and the plants that would look good in the perennial garden. And the Lord has to come to me and say, lay it aside, Ray. Well, Tell me, you all, is there something wrong with looking at perennial flowers? No. What I'm I'm saying is that the Lord keeps coming to me and identifying areas of escape from holiness and calling me out of that innocent tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying to me, Ray, why don't you have more of a taste for the tree of life? Why do you want to die? And as I hear that plea of God in my heart, and as I respond and walk back toward and begin to eat from the tree of life, His power flows through my life. When I turn and go back to my innocent amusements, His spirit is grieved and leaves me. Now, today, some of you have come to this service and your hands are not full of righteousness. Your hands are either full of sin or of innocent amusements. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil has both good and bad on it. I mean, when Eve looked at that piece of fruit... Satan said, God did not tell you the truth. And you need to do some self-improvement. What? The devil came and said, God is holding out on you and he's not going to give you what you would really enjoy. God wants to make you miserable. 
there is still in my heart after all of these years a seed of belief that God wants to make me miserable. Now, that's not an intellectual seed. It's buried deeper than that. It's something down in my soul that I see indirectly as through a mirror by watching my behavior. And part of what I'm being forced to do by the Holy Spirit is read the scriptures and allow it to be a mirror to reflect back my behavior so that I can begin to see what's really in my heart. So that I can say to the Lord, I only desire you, Jesus, and have integrity as I say that. Can you this day say, Jesus, I only desire you. And can you say that with integrity? Or are your hands full of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It will have been useless for you to come to this worship service and simply hear me and then go out and have supper tonight and say, hey, that was a great message the pastor had, wasn't it? Great entertainment. Nice songs. Pretty dog and pony show. No, you didn't come here for a dog and pony show. There are lots of those down the block. You came here because there was something in your heart that said, I need to make a difference. I need to make a change in my heart so that Jesus has everything of my soul because I want to go to heaven. I want to see the king. He will not turn you away. He won't reject you. He'll come into your life. He'll come into your heart. And he'll begin to remove those seeds that if left unattended will sprout and bear fruit for death, not life. Now let me go to the passage that today the Lord has laid on my heart. The sixth chapter, verse 4. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God. In other words, he's saying, we come recommending ourselves to you. And our recommendation to you is not based on a philosophic argument. Our recommendation that we bring to you is the great endurance that we've had, the troubles and hardships that we've had, the distresses we've had, the beatings, the imprisonments. Look, we've gone through everything for you. We recommend ourselves to you because look at the price we've paid to bring you the gospel. But now let's read it with all all of the recommendations. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way with weapons of righteousness. 
in the right hand and in the left. With weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. The Lord is calling for a people who will grow up. Whose hands will no longer be filled with darkness. Whose hands will no longer be filled with lust and bitterness and anger. For a people who will come together whose hands will be filled with weapons. The right hand and the left hand filled with weapons of righteousness. Now, this becomes very difficult. Stay with me. The righteous, the righteousness being spoken of is your obedience to God. The righteousness being spoken of is your obedience to God. And so I ask you again today, as you come into this house, did you come into this house with hands full of righteousness because you have obeyed the commands of the Holy Spirit this past week. You have done what he asked you to do. You've said what he asked you to say. You have walked as he has asked you to walk. You have trusted in him. He is your Lord and is your Savior, and you have obeyed him. If you come today to the house of God with hands full of righteousness, they are weapons that the Holy Spirit can use in the battle for the souls of other men and women. But if you came here today with your hands full of selfishness or busyness or business deals or arguing or fighting for your way, if you came here with your hands full of worldliness, then you have no power and you have no authority over darkness. And you may speak an occasional word for God, but it will fall to the ground, dead and lifeless. And there will be no power in your word. When you speak with a person about the gospel of Jesus Christ, do tears begin to flow down their face? Does conviction begin to grip their heart? Is there a change in how they walk? If not, it's because your hands are not full of righteousness. Your hands are full of worldliness. And those hands full of worldliness will prevent you from walking in the Spirit and being effective in testimony to draw others from going into utter darkness. I have a desire today, and that is to fill my hands with the weapons of righteousness to be able to have authority in welding this word. To be able to speak it with authority. To be able to bear testimony using the sword of the Spirit to pierce a person's defenses and call them to a place of conviction in the Spirit of God. Do you have that today? Or have you in your heart simply a lust for darkness? Paul is coming and he's saying, look, we recommend ourselves to you. We commend ourselves because of all the anguish, because of the price, because of the terrible circumstances we've had to undergo to bring this gospel to you. And we come to you with hands full of righteousness, not hands full of sin. 
righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand. Through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet neglected, unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. In other words, he's saying, look, we no longer allow the world to judge us. The world can look at us and say, you are a foolish man. What you are doing will cause your family anguish. It will cause people to turn against you. You can't have any effectiveness if you walk this way. So what? Let it go. What's Jesus calling me to do? I'm going to walk the way Jesus called me to walk. My hands are going to be filled with the weapons, not of compromise, not of tolerance, not of political correctness. My hands are going to be filled with the weapons of righteousness. Now again, what is the definition of righteousness? It's old-fashioned. Right doing. It's just doing what God asks us to do by His power, not our power. This is not a self-help deal. This is the power of God coming to us and asking us, will you obey me? Will you walk wholly before me? Will you turn aside from the world? Will you lay down the things you're filling your heart with? Will you lay them down and will you pick up the things of the Spirit? Will you hunger and thirst after me? Will you let me fill your hunger? That's why he said, you have to eat my flesh. You have to drink my blood. I mean, that brings it right to us. Is your sustenance found in the television? Is your sustenance found in your work? Is your sustenance found in the refrigerator? Or is your sustenance found in Jesus Christ? If your sustenance is being found in Jesus Christ, your hands are filled with the weapons of righteousness to do the work of the Lord to build his kingdom. Now he goes on. We have spoken freely to you, verse 11, to you Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. And some of you have consistently withheld your affection from my heart, from Pastor Jan's heart, from the National Prayer Chapel. You say, how have we, how have we withheld our love from you? By not getting clean before God. By having your hands so full of the things of the world that you have no time to pick up the things of God. By being so concerned about your own life, your shopping and your, your work, your children, your life, that you have no time, no energy, to engage in prayer and the reading of the word. 
It's an imposition to say, have you spent two or three hours today reading the scriptures? If you're not spending two or three hours a day reading the scriptures, you haven't gotten serious with Jesus yet. You're withholding your affection. Your interest is in the the things of flesh, not things of the spirit. And Paul is saying, don't withhold your affection. Open your hearts. Be a part of a body. Engage in prayer. Read the word. Pick up the weapons of righteousness in your life and begin to walk before God with fear and trembling. Dave is a captain in the U.S. Army, Special Forces, the intelligence. Just returned from Afghanistan. Three days before he left Afghanistan, one of his best buddies was out on the front line stepped on a mine and instantly killed him. He stood in my drive this morning with tears in his eyes. I said, David, are you going to get out of the army? You told me when you left for this tour of duty, this was your last tour, and you were finished with the army. You were going to go into another agency, the FBI or another organization. He looked at me and he said, Ray, I can't leave. I said, why not? I have to serve my country. My country needs me. I've got to stay in at least another year, maybe another year and a half, maybe two years. Here he is holding his little baby that he hasn't seen for almost a year. The little one is clinging to daddy. He's saying, I've got to go back. My work's not done. I have something I can help America with. I tell you, that's a soldier. That's a brave, honorable man who happens to be a Muslim. But by the grace of God, he is hungry for the gospel. But I listened to this brother and I felt shame in my heart at the casualness with which we show up at church or don't show up. I can tell you right now, Captain Dave would never show up late for command watch. Not only would he be there, he would be dressed with his weapon. He'd be ready to go. That's what he was saying to me. He's put his life on the line for America, and he's a Muslim. See, Paul is saying... You're withholding your affection. Because there's a a civilian mentality that says, God loves me unconditionally. I've got it made. I'm okay. All I've got to do is hang on to Jesus and hang on to my life. And somehow, I'm going to make it. No, you're not. You're believing in vain. The grace of Jesus Christ is being wasted on your life. Listen to what he says. Verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Why would he say don't be yoked together with unbelievers? 
Because when you're yoked together with an unbeliever, you have commitments that you have to keep. Commitments that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ or the kingdom of God. And he's saying, I don't want you to have any commitments anywhere that I cannot ask you to break. I want all commitments to be based first on my calling after you. I want your loyalty to rest with me, Jesus says. So he doesn't want us yoked with unbelievers in contract relationships that do not allow us to follow Jesus. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Little boy stands about that tall. His name is TJ. Just had his seventh birthday. What would you give a seven-year-old boy for his birthday? I really puzzled over that. And I went back in my mind and I said, what was the most treasured gift I received when I was seven years old? You know what it was? It was a flashlight. I found a flashlight that had a siren on it. And a flashlight that had a barking dog sound with it. And mom and dad were headed off on vacation in a motorhome. And I said, what a wonderful gift for a seven-year-old boy. A flashlight that barks like a dog and wails like a siren. I mean, that'll drive mom and dad crazy. And it will pierce the darkness. And what seven-year-old boy does not want to pierce the darkness? He's scared of the dark. And that light, just like a laser beam, parts the darkness. Watch. What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What argument is there between, or what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I want you to see this conditional blessing of God. He's saying, if you will drop the things you're carrying in your hands, if you'll let it go, if you'll touch no unclean thing, if you will come apart from that unclean thing, he's saying, I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, it's simple now. If you do not want to receive the grace of God in vain, 
you are going to have to let go of those unclean things that have been clutching after your heart. Now, let's be real clear. These unclean things are not passive things. They are aggressive. They come after you. They don't just leave you alone. They come after you. And if you don't pick them up, they, they shout and scream at you. And they say, if you don't pick me up, you're going to die. The Lord God of heaven is saying, if you will come out of that, and if you will stop picking that up, if you will stop touching that, I will receive you. Now, I simply bear testimony today that if this coming week, as the Holy Spirit calls me to read the Word, if instead of reading the Word, I go and find a newspaper and read it, as the Holy Spirit calls me to read the Word, and I go find a Sports Illustrated and read it, His Spirit will withdraw from me, and my words will have no power, and I'll have no weapons of righteousness in my hands, and I'll simply be another good guy trying to do some nice humanitarian deal. There will be no, there will be no fire. There will be no deliverance, no breaking of bondage. There's just going to be the same old, same old, same old. And too many Christians today are trying to say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But their pockets are stuffed full of the things they love. And then they come to me and they say, Pastor, why does God talk to you and he doesn't talk to me? Check your pockets. God doesn't talk to you? Check your closet. God doesn't talk to you? Look in your car. They say you can tell pretty well the spiritual condition of a man's heart by seeing what his car looks like. If it's filled with trash, that man's heart is probably filled with trash. Do you understand? There is a direct correlation between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. We do in the physical realm the same thing we do in the spirit. They are one. They are the same. So today, if you want God to speak to you, you're going to have to do as he has directed. You're going to have to have hands full of righteousness. You're going to have to walk away from the things of darkness. You're going to have to let go of the drugs. And let me list some of the drugs. There's the tobacco and there's the alcohol and there's the cocaine and there's the pot. And most of you are saying, hey, that lets me out. There's the lust after money. There's the desire to have my way. There's the bitterness of heart. There's the arrogance of spirit. Are we getting any closer to the list of drugs in your household? One is not worse than the other. They're all drugs. They're all addicting. So today is the light of God shining on your face. Are you filled with the glory of God? Are your hands full of righteousness? Or your hands full of darkness? Have you got some house cleaning to do when you get home? Have you got some car cleaning to do when you ride? 
What are the sounds you have in your radio, in your CD players, in your tape decks? Are your hands full of righteousness or are your hands full of stuff? We'll close with chapter 7. Since we have these promises, what promises? The promise that if we'll touch no unclean thing, he will receive us. He will be a father to us. We will be sons and daughters to the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Great joy with great joy to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with